I titled this morning's message, The Greatest Gift Ever Given. And it's from one verse, John 3.16. And it really is probably one of the most memorized verses in all the Bible. It's one of the probably greatest verses in all the Bible. But I titled this morning's message, The Greatest Gift Ever Given. I'm convinced that this time of Christmas, this time of year when we gather together, our focus really needs to be upon that. It needs to be upon uh, the gift that came from above. And this is a time for us to rejoice and to come together as a family of God and to rejoice in that. And so let's open up prayer and let's pray for this time in God's Word that He would speak into our hearts uh, something this morning. Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, Lord, uh, as that gift from heaven to us. We thank You that it was miraculous that Jesus was born and birthed into this world from a virgin. The miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm so thankful that You're coming into the world that it was a miraculous birth. And I thank You that You came really as a gift to us. Father, we thank You uh, for this time. Pray that You would open up hearts and minds to to hear and to perceive. And we thank You for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I uh, wanted to start uh, this morning by reading to you about a man. Uh, His name is Von Shoemaker. And Mr. Shoemaker, maybe... uh, Probably not a lot of us. I really didn't know of him. But Von Shoemaker was a man uh, that began his career in 1922. And in 1963, Mr. Shoemaker's cartoons were syndicated to more than 75 newspapers. And by the time he retired in 1972... He had drawn 14,000 cartoons. Because Mr. Shoemaker was a devout Christian, he was known at the Chicago Daily News as the gospel cartoonist. He once said, he started each cartoon on my knees with a prayer. The Chicago Daily News used to publish on the front page a picture of a beautiful decorated Christmas tree with an unopened package. It was labeled on that gift, Eternal Life. The The title of the cartoon was The Untaken Gift. And then underneath that, it was John 3.16 that was written on the box. Many times, people look at the greatest gift ever given to this world, 
The gift that the gift is Jesus Christ. It's what, what, why we are worshiping. It's why we were singing. And everything about a gift, when you think about it, everything about a gift is inviting, isn't it? You look at your trees, those of you that have presents under your tree. You look at your tree, it's inviting. It's beautiful. As we decorate that tree and we put those gifts out there, it's inviting and it's beautiful. But the sad part for many people, it'd be like you coming in and seeing those gifts, those beautiful wrapped gifts sitting around that tree, and then you chose not to open them. Now, I, you know, I, I, I just don't want to open it. Well, this one's for you. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to open it. I don't know if there's anyone here that's ever done that. Somebody gives you a gift out of their love for you. And you say, I don't want to open it. The untaken gift. I opened that gift myself. 52 years ago. I actually was sitting there on the edge of my mom and dad's bed. My mom was sitting next to me. And she began to share with me the simple gospel message. Telling me as a young child what Jesus Christ had done for me. I don't remember a whole lot when I was that age. But I do remember sitting there with my mom and her leading me to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just a child. Not already just my mind already messed up by a lot of uh, things that question marks and things that come on later in life. Just like a child simply receives quite often from us as parents. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at nine years old. Now you can put together how old I am. I prayed to receive Jesus Christ into my heart on that day. And I received really the greatest gift that a person could ever receive. In the book of James, in chapter 1, verse 17, it tells us this. James wrote, every good gift and every perfect gift. Did you get that? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That good gift, that perfect gift, that the Father sent to you and I, His Son. If I were to describe Christmas into one, one word, we might think of a, a number of different words if I were to ask you that question. It might be the word hope. It might be the word peace. It might be the word joy. We see those words all over, don't we, at Christmas time? See them all over the Christmas cards and, you know, 
hope, peace, and joy. But there's another word that came to my mind as I was thinking about just one word that might describe Christmas. And that's the word giving. How many of you are going to be given a Christmas gift this year? Raise your hand. I think most of us are. We're going to get that gift. That word gift, if you look it up in a a dictionary, this is how it defines it. It's something that is given voluntarily without payment in return. It's also used to show favor towards someone. But it's something that is given to you not because you earned it. It's because of somebody's love for you. And it's not something that you bought That's not a gift. It's something that was simply given to you without payment. That's the gift that came down from heaven. God has given good gifts to all those who love Him. We all receive them throughout the year, don't we? Good gifts that come down from our Heavenly Father to us comes by way of peace. It comes by way of hope. It comes by way of joy. God imparts these things to us as Christians. And if you don't have those things, then you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul wrote about some of the gifts that have been given to us by God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. I love that verse. The reason why I love it is because that tells me I can't earn my salvation. There's nothing that I can do to earn it. There's nothing that I can do in my own self to, you know, by coming to church, by doing this, doing that, that somehow or another, God owes me something. You see, God just simply gave me that gift of eternal life, and it was free. That's what a gift is. In Romans chapter 5, verse 15, Paul wrote this, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, speaking about Adam, when he fell in the garden, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned, speaking of Adam, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. That's being made right in the eyes of God. It was free. For if by, for if by one man's offense death reigned through one, speaking about Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness. There's another one. The gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. 
Even so, one man's righteousness, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. The gift. The gift that came from above. That gift of righteousness. That gift of eternal life. That free gift of grace that God gives to you and I that believe. Paul wrote in Romans 6.23, he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Peter preached on that day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. He stood up when a multitude of people were there gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And Peter preached the good news to this multitude on that day. And Peter said with a loud voice to all of those people as he was preaching the good news, he says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is a gift. When you give your life to Christ, He comes and dwells inside of you by His Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God. If any man has not the Spirit of Christ dwelling inside of him, the Bible says you're none of His. You can't be a believer unless you have Christ dwelling in you by His Holy Spirit. That day, we're told 3,000 people plus open their hearts to the Holy Spirit and they were saved. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. Those people, they received on that day the gift of grace. They also received the gift of faith on that day. They received the gift of righteousness also. They received the gift of eternal life. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, God knows how to give good gifts to those that are willing and want to take that gift and open it. The greatest, though, of all of the gifts is Jesus Christ Himself. He is that gift. Thank you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Paul wrote this, Thanks be to God for, listen to this, His indescribable gift. That's Jesus. His indescribable gift. Try to just start writing down everything that you know about Jesus Christ. See if you maybe come up short on really what to write down when you're describing Him. How incredible that gift is that God sent to you and me. You see, God didn't send His Son into this world wrapped in paper, but He was wrapped in flesh. He wasn't wrapped with a bow. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes as they laid Him there in the manger. With Christmas drawing near, A verse that comes to my mind is maybe one of the greatest statements that has ever been made to this world. This is the greatest. And it's all about giving. 
John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Incredible verse. If we were going to pull one verse out of the Bible, just one and that's all we had, that verse would be enough. That one verse would be enough. Martin Luther, he called John 3.16 the heart of the Bible. He said it's the Gospel in miniature. Just in that one verse. People sometimes get all messed up. Well, you know the Bible. We don't know. You know, Just take John 3.16. What does that say to you? It's the most incredible verse in, really in all of Scripture. It says it all. What we find in this one verse, John 3.16, is we find 25 words in that verse. It's all the truth of redemption that flows from that one verse. The context in which John 3.16 is used was with a religious man. Interesting, isn't it? It was a religious man. His name was Nicodemus. In his day, he would have been considered a religious man. And Jesus came to that religious man and told him, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will never see nor will you enter into the kingdom of God. That should make us sit up and take notice. Unless you were born again, you'll never see nor will you ever enter in to the kingdom of God. That makes me sit up and take notice. You, you see, if you're here today and you don't know where you're going when you die, if you don't have that kind of assurance in your heart this morning, you can. Maybe the problem is, is that you've left the gift unopened. But it's been set there at your feet. But before we look at John 3.16 this morning, I want to read to you the verse before it and the word, the verse that follows it. Verse 15 says this, Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The verse that follows that says this, verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now the greatest verse in all of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think it's the greatest gift that has ever been given because it says this, for God so loved the world. It's the greatest degree of love. The extent of God's love goes to the whole world. How great of love is that? 
Uh, that something could, that, that someone could actually love to that extent. Especially when you consider all of the wickedness and the ungodly people that are in this world. And his love extends to all. In 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul said this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's why He came. It was His mission. It's why He was birthed into this world so that He could go to the cross. When I think of a God who so loved the world that He would send His Son to the cross to die for me, a sinner like me, to me that's amazing love. I don't know about you. But you just think of your own life. Those of you that are saved, that's amazing love. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated His own love towards us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our sin, He died for us. In 1 John 3.16, by this we know love because Jesus laid down His life for us. That's how I know it. He went to the cross for me. He went to the cross for you. It's why you can even grab hold of a little bit. Somebody that would take your place for your sin on that cross. That's incredible love. It's the greatest gift that could ever be given for the Father to send His Son to that cross for our sin. It's the greatest gift ever given because it says, for God so loved the world. The greatest number, the greatest extent of that love. I remember when my first daughter was born, Heather. And I remember thinking and even talking to Kathy about how much we love this little baby. This little girl, Heather. And then as time went on, we thought, we're going to have another one. That's Amber. And I, and I was thinking in my mind, you know, we have so much love for Heather. Amber is still in the womb. We're thinking, you know, is there enough love in me to really have that same kind of love for Amber? Sorry, Amber. She's here. But you know, those are the kind of things we think. Is there enough love within us that we can even extend it towards one, two, three? How about the whole world? You see, some of us have a hard time even loving our neighbor, let alone the whole world. And then we read, For God so loved the world. It doesn't say that He loved the globe. He doesn't love all the continents. He loves people. He loves you. That's To me, that's kind of hard to wrap my head around. Now multiply that love that God has for all the people of this world 
And that's going to give you a little bit of an insight to the extent of the love of God. It's without limits. For God so loved the world sometimes sounds very generic, doesn't it? How about if you put your name in there? As I say it, for God so loved Greg. For God so loved, and you put your name in there, that He gave His only begotten Son for Greg. That if Greg would believe in Him, Greg would not perish, but would have eternal life. You could put your name in there. Because you see, you're not just the world. You're a soul. You're an individual that God loves. He wants to save you. It's the greatest gift ever given because it says, for God so loved the world that His Father gave His only begotten Son. The greatest gift this world has ever received is this indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. How did God show this love towards you and I? 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 tells us, it says, In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is a word that simply means Jesus' death on that cross satisfied the Father. The Father who is holy. The Father that cannot allow sin into the presence of God. Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. What He did on the cross, it was sufficient. When they nailed Him and He shed His holy blood for our sin, it was sufficient to make you right in the eyes of God when you put your faith in Him. In times past, we would ask our girls, what would you like for Christmas? Or we would have them write it out on a piece of paper. You know, maybe you've done that. You write your list out. And many times, as they were writing that out, they get very specific and their list can be quite long. Writing out the gifts that they would like to get. But you see, it's not that way with God. It wasn't man asking but God who saw man's need. And then the Father gave this greatest gift that He could ever give, His only begotten Son. Incredible. That term only begotten means that the Father sent His one-of-a-kind Son for sinful man. One-of-a-kind. The only begotten Son. The only one that was sufficient. The only one that could satisfy the Father was to send His Son into this world 
to go to the cross for our sin. Romans 8.32 tells us this, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Freely. He spared not His own Son. Think about it, parents. Think about one of your children giving up your child for the sins of the world. If, if my child would bring the salvation of the world, it would be worth it. I'm not sure that we would have it in, and I'm not sure I would have it within me to give up my child for the sinners of this world so that they could be saved. God sent His only begotten Son. It says that He spared not His Son. But He delivered Him up. That word delivered Him up is when He went to the cross. Jesus is the greatest gift this world has ever received. But not everyone has opened the package. Not everyone has. It's the greatest gift ever given because it says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... You could underline those words whosoever. It's the greatest invitation that has ever been given. It was given to the whole world. Not just a handful. Not just the good people in the world. Not just to those that you know come to church. The invitation went out to the whole world. His only begotten Son that whosoever. There's actually a ministry that's out there in the Christian circle. And the name of that group or that ministry that goes out and shares the gospel with people and primarily young people, it's called the whosoevers. You know, raise your hand if you're a whosoever. We all are whosoever. He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever you're one of them. Have you ever felt unworthy to come before God? Have you ever felt unworthy to, to receive forgiveness from God? Have you ever felt like, you know what, I, I don't deserve that kind of forgiveness? And especially in light of how I am and who I am. But the fact of the matter is that God loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son that if you would receive that gift, that He wants to cleanse you. He wants to save you. He wants to give that gift to you. He wants you to open it. Looking back again to that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching to that multitude, he said this as part of his message, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That sounds like anybody to me. That means anyone can come. That doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how ugly of a sinner you are, how many wrong and bad and terrible things you've done. 
Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's ever, whoever. 1 John 5.1 Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Whoever. Revelation 22.17 And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirst Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. There it is, the gift. Let him take it freely. It doesn't say let him earn it. Let him do, you know. Let him take it freely. It's the greatest gift ever given because it says, whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's only one condition in this gift. There's only one condition that is laid out to really take that gift. To be able to have everlasting life. It's do you believe? Whoever believeth in Him. That's the condition. We're all whosoever's. But we have to believe. We have to put our trust in Jesus Christ. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. I have to believe in Him. I have to believe that what He did on the cross was sufficient to pay the penalty for my sin. I have to believe that he was buried after they took him off of that cross. That he was put into a tomb. And after three days, just like he said he would do, he came out of that tomb. And then he walked this earth. He was on this earth for 40 days after the resurrection. He ascended up from the Mount of Olives back to his father. He's alive today. He's coming back again. And I put my faith and trust and confidence in that gospel. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Wow. Aren't you glad that it's just based on you believing? It's not on you working. It's not on you what you can do for God, but everything that He has done for you. Jesus said in John 5.24, He said, Most assuredly I say to you, this is red letters in your Bible, this is Jesus speaking, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears My Word and believes in Him who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death 
into life. Did you know that when you give your life to Christ, that's when it happens? You pass from death to life. He already sees you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He already sees the finished product in you. That's what's so incredible about being a Christian. That's what's so amazing about walking with the Lord. You want to learn more about the God that saved you. Just as Scott shared in his testimony, we're not religious people. We're not to be religious people. We're people that have a relationship with the living God. It's the greatest gift ever given because it says, whoever believeth in Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. When Jesus went to the well, and the woman that was there at the well in John chapter 4, we're told that as Jesus stood there with this woman, He said to the woman, Whoever drinks of this water from this well is going to thirst again. And whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I don't know how bad you want that gift. I don't know how bad you want everlasting life. But that gift has been laid out before the world, before you. You would not perish, but have everlasting life. This word everlasting life just simply means this. That your life has no end. It will never cease. It'll go on for eternity. You might be thinking, I don't know if I want that. Especially those of us that have aches and pains. Here's the good news. You get a new body. That body is designed to go on for eternity. You don't have to worry about the aches and pains. That'll all be done. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. It's all going to be done away. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord for eternity. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. Let it be an encouragement to you at Christmas time as you look for opportunity to be a witness to those that don't know Him. Everlasting life. John 5.24 I read it already. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. In John 6, 27, Jesus speaking, do not labor for the food which perishes. You see, there's a lot of people that put a lot of effort out in this life. They put a lot of energy into life. Uh, whether that's just making a living, you know, they just a lot of expended energy in life. They labor for it. They live for it. They exhaust themselves in it. 
Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. There's that gift. Because God the Father has sent His Son. That gift of everlasting life. In John 6.40, And this is the will of Him who sent me, speaking about the Father sending the Son, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last days. I'll raise Him up. Uh, Where's your body going to be? It's eventually going to go into the ground unless Jesus Christ comes back before that. But when it goes into the ground, to be absent from this body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. And you're going to have that new body. That body that can last for eternity. Notice, he who believes in Jesus has everlasting life. That's a present tense possession if you were to look up that word. That means that I have everlasting life now. It's not something that's just future. It is possible for a person to know that they have eternal life. You know, there's a lot of people that say, you don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, nobody knows where you're going when you die. How can you know? Who can really know? I mean, people say that quite often. Why do you stand there so, you know, like you're so assured you're going to heaven when you die? And nobody knows that for sure. If you believe the Word of God, if you believe the Bible, if you believe what Jesus has told us, then you know that you have eternal life. In John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, and as Moses, or excuse me, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God. And then he says this, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know. If somebody walks up to me and says, hey, Greg, do you know where you're going when you die? 100%. 100% confident. I know that I know that I know where I'm going when I die. How do you know? Because I've given my life to Jesus Christ. He saved me from my sin. I put my trust and full confidence in Him and the cross of Jesus Christ. I know where I'm going when I die. I trust His Word, His promises that He's given me in His Word. I open that gift. 2,000 years ago, the Father sent the Son like a gift to this world. That gift was presented to everyone, every man, every soul, laid there. 
but not everybody opens it. The Apostle John wrote in John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. One or two places. We either know the Lord or you don't. Either going to heaven or you're not. It's one or two, but, but God wants everyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Word of God says. It's not like, why would a loving God want to send me to hell? It's why wouldn't I open that gift? He's made it available. He's made it for me. Why wouldn't I want to open it? We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.